0: God made an awful lot of interesting creatures, didn't he? You know, we, we, we have when we talk start talking about our favorite animals, you know, everybody loves cats and dogs or kittens or one of the other kittens or puppies or something like that. But then you go on to, uh, oh, no, pandas, and you have the panda lovers. Or the, uh, you know, I I just love, I, I like the platypus for the sake of what a bizarre creature it is. I like to say that it was put together by a little bad boy angel from, from the spare parts bin, you know, that God had. And, uh, the giraffes are these really strange creatures. There's all sorts of creatures out there, by the way, that just simply, by, by the way they are put together, they defy evolution. Uh, but all the creatures God made on the planet, and, and, and when, I look, when I think of the Garden of Eden, when I think of the, you know day six and God is making all those land animals, it goes all the way from, in my mind, I think it's correct, it went all the way from the ants to the uh, Brachiosaurus, you know, and... and uh, all these things on the planet, he, he, he had them out there. And, of course, he lined them up to come by Adam so Adam could name them. And, and out of all these things that God made, there's only one thing he made in the image of God. Right? A lot of things he made, only one is made in the image of God. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, God considers us special. Right? He, he considers us special. He, 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 we know that he, he knows the sparrow when it falls. He said, or not... Uh, five sparrows set, sold for two pennies. Or did I have that backwards? Two sparrows and five pennies. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, but he knows those. He cares about them. But, but there's only one made in the image of, of God, and, and that's us. And because of that, we are special. Simply because God says we're special, we're special. If for no other reason, it's not because of anything we've done. Okay? As Bible-believing Christians, we find ourselves in this really unique position, or maybe it's an odd position, of thinking both more highly and more lowly of human beings than other people do. Uh, we, we think more highly, more lowly because we do not believe we have the right to determine our own morals. Uh, we don't d- d- choose what we're going to believe and then determine right and wrong based on what we, have, we feel ought to be right or wrong. Uh, we don't have the right to make decisions based on man being the top priority or life being the top priority uh, because our priority comes from God and it's, it's what he tells us it, it believes. So we believe more lowly of man and that we don't have the right of, of that kind of determination. But we believe more highly than other people because we believe we are more than just a beast that evolved, right? More than just a creature that evolved and happened to take this place of temporary supremacy on the planet. Uh, we are made in the image of God. Now, today's sermon, this is gonna shock you. Be ready for this, it has three parts. (laughs) Right? Y'all survived that. Uh, But but they don't all flow naturally from each other. Like like you don't, you know, one doesn't just pour itself into two, doesn't just self-pour. It's essentially three separate messages based on what it means that we are made in God's image. Okay, the first one is going to be that human life is precious because we are made in God's image. Second, to be pro-life is more than to be anti-abortion. Okay. And third, if we are built in the image of God, we should uphold the image of God within us. Okay. So three entirely separate messages doesn't mean it's going to be three times as long. You can relax. <laughs> I know that there are a couple of people going, Oh, let's see, Lori's looking at her watch right now. So <laughs> okay, so no, number one, from Genesis chapter 1. Verses 26 to 31, the beginning, uh, the beginning passage uh, of of the Bible, as he creates not just man but land animals, Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 31, and I'm gonna just going to just read this through, and then come back to it. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Excuse me, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you everything, every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So we have, have uh, mankind is made in his image. We look at verse, verses 26 and 27. And it says man is made or mankind is made in God's image. And it says it twice, right? Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. And in verse 27, it says, so God created man in his image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. So he, he planned it and then he did it, which is, is, you go, okay, well, that's not especially deep, Steve. Yeah, it is. I want to say, yes, it is because we are not an accident of nature, we are not a happy coincidence. We are a being that God intended to create the way he did, and when he created us, created us, it was according to plan, right? We fulfilled the purpose that he wanted us to fulfill. God planned to make something in his image, and you and I, ladies and gentlemen, are it. Now, you don't think more lowly of God because of that, <laughs> because it's... More than simply the image, the physical image. Understanding the image of God. First of all, you know it includes both male and female. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created them, right? And so when we start talking about the image of God, it's talking about more than a physical image. Uh, It 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 doesn't have uh, restrictions on gender. It doesn't have restrictions on race. It doesn't have restrictions on color. It doesn't have restrictions on size. It doesn't have restrictions on shape. Those are not restrictions on the image of God. We are all made in the image of God. Human beings are made in the image of God. And if we want to understand what the image of God is, we want to figure out what we know about people and what we know about God, and let's look at where they overlap. (laughs) And then we can start saying, oh, that's what it means by the image of God. So what do we know about People, you know, traits shared by humans in general. What do we know about God? What do they have in common? Well, we have intellect. And, and, and some of you may say, Steve, my intellect is yours. It's not worth me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have intellect. We have will. We have emotions. We have personality slash character. Some of us more than others with each one of those, right? Some, of, some people are smarter than others. Some people uh, are, let's see, what do I have there? Uh, I, I have will. Some people are just simply stronger willed than other people, right? Some people are more emotional than others, and some people have more personality <laughs> or more character than others. Uh, and we all know what it means when we say that person is a character, right? In Deuteronomy 6.5, let me read Deuteronomy 6.5 for you real quick. God gives a description of people that breaks down into three parts. This is interesting to think about when we start talking about man being made in the image of God, and God breaks people down into three parts. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and this will sound very familiar to you, not because it's in Deuteronomy, but because Jesus quotes it in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Right? And he breaks man into three parts. He says, you love God with each of your parts, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And, 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 and that's, I don't think that's an accident. I think God is a little bit, in a small way, we are re, re made in the image of God as in a trinity. right? And our trinity is maybe a very poor reflection of the trinity uh, because for, for me, it's like, yeah, I have a heart, I have a soul, I have a, I have a body. It's hard for me to figure out where one starts and the other stops. Right, goes back to that intellect thing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure I understand this. Uh, it, it, it's difficult for me. It's nice to see three. It makes me think that we are like him in the Trinity or being triune creatures. Uh, but the difference between heart and soul, I'll be honest, confuses me. I don't know where one starts and the other stops. I don't, you know, is is I want to say heart is the center of your will and the soul is the center of your. Being? <laughs> I come back to the word will again. I don't understand. It's like I get lost on this. And you can say, well, Steve, I understand that perfectly. Thank you. I'm glad you do. But the Trinity confuses me too. And I figure if I can be confused by the Trinity of God, I can be confused by the three parts that he defines people as being. And we could spend a lot of time discussing what it means to be made, that we are made in the image of God as a whole. Uh, the, point, the point I'm simply making is that we are. The bottom line is we are. And because we are made in the image of God, God. so I'm, I just dabbled, I just threw those things out like, you know, bait to get you hooked. <laughs> so hopefully something grabbed you. The point being that we are made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God, and because we are made in the image of God, we are precious. And we find that again back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, God links very clearly our value who are being made in God's image. Uh, why are we valuable? Because we are made in God's image. And we find this when Noah gets off the ark. Noah gets off the ark, and God speaks to, to, to Noah about things that are, essentially things that are changed from what they were before. Apparently, before the ark, people weren't meat eaters. I'll, I'll start back at... Uh, Verse four, but you shall not. Or verse three: Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I've given everything to you as I gave the green plant. And it sounds like maybe before the flood they they were vegetarians, and now they're eating meat. Uh, he, because he says, as I gave the plant, so I give meat. You can eat animals, right? Uh, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. I certainly will require your life blood. From every animal, I will will require it. And from every person, from every man as his brother, I will require the life of a person. And look at verse 6. Whoever sheds human blood, by man his blood shall be shed for, right? The causal statement, why? Why is it that if somebody sheds human blood, their blood shall be shed? Because in the image of God, he made mankind. And that's the whole reason. He doesn't give any more reasons for that. He goes on from that, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> right? He changes subject and goes on to other things that they are to do. But he says, human life is precious because man is made in the image of God. Every animal human blood will, that sheds human blood, his life will be required. Every person who sheds human blood, his life will be required. Why? Because man is made in the image of God. And we find, why are we precious? Why are we so awesome? <laughs> We're so awesome. <laughs> because we are made in God's image. And no other creature is treated this way. He doesn't say, by the way, the unicorn. <laughs> right? He doesn't say, by the way, the hippo. By the way, uh, the, the golden retriever. Your yellow lab. or you know, uh, No other creature is treated this way by God. Only man. Not the spotted owl. <laughs> Not the bald eagle. You know, those things that somehow we do recognize the preciousness of life. No other creatures treated this way. Only man is treated as special because he is made in the image of God. And then again, in Genesis chapter one, we go back those few pages, pages, and we see that man is given dominion over the earth. God is, man is given rule over the earth. Okay, let me read this passage again. Uh, so, in, in chapter or verse starting chapter one, starting at verse 26. Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the ground." Right? And then he goes on and says, I've given you all the plants and all that that kind of stuff. And man is given dominion. He is made master of this planet Earth. Okay? Everybody who thinks that that we are just co-travelers on this planet with the creatures, in one sense, yeah, we are. But in another sense, we are in authority and rule and dominion over them. Uh, And as much as man shares in common with the animals, we are not the same as them. We are not merely more evolved pets. Right? We're not hairless monkeys. Uh, we're not anything like that. We are. We are not the same, and we are not brothers. Okay? Only man is made in the image of God. Animals have value, but human beings are precious in God's sight. So we take this on a day like today, and we apply it to the unborn, or the preborn, or the baby in the womb. You know, I, I hate to use the word fetus. And it may be scientifically correct, but it, it, it our world wants to do everything it can to make that baby an it. And and I admit, you know, I, I shared about uh, when I was talking about when my kids were born, and I wanted to announce it. I I wrote, I put, wrote on the window, "It's a girl." <laughs> I could have written, "She's a girl," but you know, it's just how we talk. Is you know, before we know what it is, we don't want to be you know accidentally call the girl a boy or the boy a girl, and that's why we all take and we. Take I shouldn't say we all. That's why ladies, you take those little headbands that, that are elastic with the flower on it and put it on your hairless little baby girl. <laughs> because until that hair is there, you don't know, especially if you're a guy, right? <laughs> Women seem to have an ability to, to get the right answer, but guys, we're helpless. We need we need that stick-on flower, you know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But the baby is not an it. That baby is never an it. It is always a he or a she. Right? The tiniest human baby is, is made in the image of God. And, and they used to not know that. There's a phrase, I I, I looked it up, I, I I remembered it from back when I was in high school. It's ontology recapitulates something else. It's three un yeah, f- f- say it again. Phylogeny, right? Three words that do, should never be put in the English language, <laughs> because we listen to them and we go, "Oh, what does that mean?" Basically, it means the development of the person in the womb, or the develop of a creature in the womb. Yeah, uh, follows the path of evolution, and it's simply not true. Those were in those. I don't know how, if it's still in science, te- high school science textbooks today or not, but it was when I was in high school. And, and I believed it that, that be, be people look like little tadpoles, growing and developing, as you know, from some kind of a tadpole into a lizard-like kind of thing, and then eventually coming out with this kind of human shape. And it's, and it's simply not true. You know, ultrasounds have done us this tremendous benefit of showing us that from the tiniest they can find—I uh, yeah, shouldn't say tiniest, because you know there is that point where you, you have this egg and a sperm, and you know it doesn't look like a baby at that point. But, but it, so quickly they begin to look like babies. They they take on the shape that God has given us to have, and and we bear God's image. And because we bear God's image, we are precious. And essentially, that's the end of the debate. Uh, that uh, Bethany wanted me to to mention <laughs> that that uh, you know today is pro-life Sunday because it is the anniversary or near the the Sunday nearest the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade uh, Supreme Court decision that made abortion the law of our land. And, and there are a couple of cases before the Supreme Court right now that may do much to overturn Roe versus Wade. We are in a wonderful time for pro-life in our planet. But there's this debate going on that should not be. It should not be because, because the fact of, of hu- the humanity of the, the infants uh, that aren't yet born is so overwhelmingly and indisputably clear. And we have the tremendous addition to that of knowing that that infant is made in God's image and is a bearer of God's image from the, from the word go, right? It, it, it is not, it, it, it's a typical thing for someone to say, you know, you see, you see a woman, you see that, that belly bump and you walk up and, and maybe maybe most people are too civil or cultured to say it, but I want to say, you know, the one thing that will blurt out of my mouth is, well, how pregnant are you? And, and the question is that I'm asking is, how long? You know? <laughs> uh, but but uh, the, the ultimate answer is, she's no more pregnant than she was a month ago, and no more pregnant than she will be a month from now, unless she has the baby a month from now. Uh, you know, because she is as pregnant from the beginning to the end. It doesn't change. She is carrying that life within her, uh, and, and it doesn't change. That baby bears God's image from the word go, and that does not change. Okay, so, so that's the end of the debate. That is, that is uh, the pro-life statement of this. A- a- and I want to move on to the next part, which is, if you are pro-life, that means more than simply being anti-abortion. Okay, And that is the mistake many people make, and that is the mistake that those on the other side want to accuse us. I'm assuming you're with me, maybe not, uh, but, but us on this side of being is that we are against abortion but we don't do anything more than that the the view that abortion advocates have of people like us is that we are angry self-righteous hypocrites who impose heavy standards on them while doing nothing to help and it sounds an awful lot like what jesus said about the pharisees in matthew chapter 23 i'm going to read chapter 23 verses 1 through 7 and when we read this, as we recognize this is what they think of us, it's easy to understand why they are so angry at us. Then Jesus spoke to, his, to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves on the chair of Moses. Therefore, whatever they tell you, do and comply with it all. But do not do as they do, for they say things and do not do them. And they lay heavy burdens on them, or they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as their finger. And they do all their deeds to be noticed by other people, and for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at the banquets and the seats of honor in the synagogues and personal greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by the, uh, by the people. And you know, Love the honor, love the position, love to place burdens on people, love to cast judgments on people, but in the meantime to do nothing to help them. And that's what they think we do. And by the way, that's why a place like Life Center or iChoice I, I uh, is, is Life Services, thank you, uh, because Life Center is a church. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why places like that are so tremendously valuable, because they are doing the so much more that needs to be done at that level of, of preserving human life. Because they're, they're not just simply trying to stop people from having abortions, they're trying to help women have babies. And they have they have they have a house there. If you've never if you've never driven by and seen it, they're on Ashen, a couple blocks north of uh, Northwest Boulevard. Big beautiful house. It's got their offices and it's got some living quarters where they, they house some of these unwed mothers, you know, women expecting to have babies. They 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 provide ultrasounds, which are so valuable. Ultrasound is the greatest tool in the pro life movement because it shows people that is a baby. You, it's unmistakable. That's not a lizard developing. <laughs> That's a baby. Uh, it's a human baby. Often you can tell if it's a boy or a girl. Which I, you know, when 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 Jeremy said about won't make many of you squirm. Believe me, I squirm. <laughs> it's like I just, you know, I'm a I'm a dinosaur. I, I just, uh, you know, it's like. I, yeah, I'm, it's like I, I try to describe myself, but I squirm at that. So, <laughs> you know, it's like I don't I don't like that conversation. But but uh, you know, they can tell boy or girl from. From how clear these things are, uh, they, they 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 have they provide clothing, they provide classes. Uh, they try they're trying hard to train these young men to stay with the girl and be the father that he ought to be to this child. Uh, they're, they're doing all these things. Uh, and, and we, by things like the Baby Bottle Program, are helping to fund that. And hopefully, hopefully we, we will also pray for them. Hopefully we can give more than just some change out of a drawer. But, but that's how they believe us. And if that is all we are, if all we are is anti-abortion, then it's a pretty good description of us. We need to be more than that. We are called to do much more than simply stop people from doing wrong. I want to go off on a tangent a little bit. I'm going to take the word orphan and run with the word orphan. I'm going to start with the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 27, James describes what he calls true and pure religion. And I'm... I'm where I, where I say, where I read the word abortion, uh, uh, abortion where I orphan, where I read the word orphan, consider the application to the unborn. Right, one, one twenty-six, and twenty-seven of chapter of James chapter one. If anyone thinks to himself thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his own tongue, but deceives uh, his own, he, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, it sounds like terrible theology. It sounds like a work salvation kind of thing. Didn't James know we're saved by faith and not by works? Yeah, except he didn't say this so we could go to heaven. He said this so that our religion, to tell us what our religion should look like. And, and, and we like to say, well, it's not a religion, it's a, it's a relationship. And you're right. But, but functionally, as the rest everybody else looks at us, it's Christianity is a religion. It is a way of serving God. And, and with that definition, we, we can embrace that, I think. And, and, and where did James get this? Where did James, this New Testament guy, get this? Because he's writing this in... James is probably the first written book of the New Testament, right? If you go to the start of James, It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. And he's setting this letter out to Jewish Christians, to the twelve tribes. Well, why would he do that? Doesn't he like the Gentile Christians? The answer is, this letter was probably written so few that there were hardly any Gentile Christians. This letter was so early that the church was almost entirely Jewish is probably, and so this is a very early letter, uh, and and, and so one of the very first things we find in chapter 1 of the very first letter written is pure and true religion is this, take care of the widows and orphans. Okay, Uh, where did he get this? Well, let's look at what the Bible says about taking care of the widows and orphans. I'm going to start with Isaiah, because, of course, we're going through Isaiah when we're not doing special things. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 17 and 23. And again, this is where God is telling Isaiah what true and undefiled religion looks like. Isaiah 1, verses 17 and verse 23. 17 says this, Learn to do justice, or learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Obtain justice for the orphan. Plead the widow's case. And verse 23 says, "Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after gifts. They do not obtain justice for the orphans, nor does the widow's case come before them." And you have the contrast there: those, what God wants wants us to do, or wanted them to do, and what they were doing. And they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And they were claiming the name of God, and they were using the name of God, but they were not actually doing anything. And so I'm not going to read these. I'm going to, I'm going to read the references. These are the verses in the Old Testament that talk about either the orphan or the fatherless. Some of, them, some of them are talking about, be sure to take care of the orphan. Some of them are talking about those bad people who, don't, who oppress the orphan. And some of them are talking about God's view of the orphan. Uh, or fatherless, it's either the word orphan or fatherless, about six of them are fatherless, the rest are orphan. So on taking care of the orphans and fatherless, we have Exodus 22, 22, Deuteronomy 10, 18, 14, 29, 16, 11, 16, 14, 24, 17, 24, 19, 24, 20, 24, 21, 26, 12, 26, 13, 27, 19, Job 6, 27, 22, 9, 24, 3, 24, 9, 29, 12, 31, 17, 31, 21, Psalm 10, 14, Psalm 10, 18, Psalm 68, 5, Psalm 82, 3, 94, 1, 109, 12, 9, Isaiah 117, 123, 10, 2, Jeremiah 5, 28, 7, 6, 22, 3, Hosea fourteen three, Zechariah seven ten, and Malachi 3, 5. I, I, I should have counted how many that was. It's four lines. God cares about the widows and the orphans and are taking care of the widows and the orphans. This is a big deal to God. It's important to Him. We have a responsibility to be not just theologically right, but functionally right. To not just be theologically right and have good doctrine in our heads, but to have good doctrine lived out in our lives. Some of those verses, like I said, are about taking care of the orphans. Some are about oppressing them and some are about what God does with them, but we have a responsibility based on what we find here, not just to to know good and to keep ourselves from doing bad, but to actually do good ourselves. So what can we do then? What can we do functionally? You say, preacher, you're saying all these things, but what can I do? I'm not out there having an abortion. I'm not out there providing abortions. Well, there's a lot of things you can do. I put from easiest to hardest, and I think also from the least fulfilling to the most fulfilling. Number one, vote. Right, Uh, like I said the other day, I am a one subject or not one, a one. I guess a one, one issue. Thank you, one issue voter. Uh, It's like if if there are two pro-life candidates and one of them will save me money, (laughs) and the other one won't, then money becomes my secondary issue. But I don't care if the one is whose pro-life is costing me more money or not. I'll vote for the pro-life candidate. Okay. Uh, and, and that is that trumps absolutely everything else in my voting, but we can vote, we can give right from the, the giving of the spare change that we amass over the course of the year and we throw into a baby bottle to a check that we write and drop in that has i don 't know uh, oh my uh, yeah mike 's going to throw in one, one with seven zeros. No. No. <laughs> he says yes, but i 'm moving the decimal point six over <laughs> We can give, okay? We can vote, we can give to support those who are doing the work that we can't do because we've got a life, right, and, and can't do those things. We can work. You may have the ability where you can go down to life ser- services and say, Hey, I'm a, I, I actually have a Wednesday every week of the month. Of of the, of the, of the, every day, every week I have a Wednesday. Can you use me? What are you good at? Well, I like can garden. Good. We'll use you on Wednesdays to garden. Can you shovel snow too? Right? Uh, can you drive? Can Can you? Are you a nurse? Uh, do you have counseling skills? Do, do you know, whatever they. they you, you can go. You can work. You can do that kind of thing. Uh, you can work. You can do marches. You can offer rides to people who need rides to and from. there. It's a little bit more difficult when you're out in Davenport. Uh, but uh, you can offer rides, you can do those kinds of things. And whatever needs you find out there, you can do them, okay? You can be a foster parent, okay? I don't want to place a guilt on anybody to be a foster parent, and foster parenting can be hard. But the, the thing about foster care, uh, some of us have been involved within as being foster parents, right? Some of us have been involved in it as having been foster kids. Right, uh, foster care usually doesn't take care of the infant. Usually, it's older kids who can have a lot of baggage with them. Right, uh, and, and foster care can be difficult. And I, by the way, those of you with small children, take 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 what I said. Shove it away on a shelf for now. Right, <laughs> let your kids get older. Right, first of all, you will have more experience. <laughs> Second of all, I'll tell you something about foster kids. Foster kids and your own kids, foster kids are more needy than your children. And because they are more needy than your children, they take more of your care than your own children do, and they end up getting center stage, and your kids get put off to the side. Ask me how I know this. Because I was a foster parent. Ask me I know it. Becca, how do you know it? I was the first Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's. I'm not foster parent. Fostering foster parenting is not for everybody, and it's not for all parts of life, right? But it is an important thing to do. Because people need it. Okay. What what? If I'm going from easiest to hardest, vote, give, work, foster care. What comes next? Bethany. <laughs> Always be danger. Always be, be, be scared if you become a foster parent of an infant. <laughs> I've told, told many people the story. I'm going to take a minute or two of your time. When, when Joan called me, I called her. I said, I was in Spokane. I said, is there anything you want me to bring back from Spokane? She's a baby. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> She says, says, why not? I said, they cry, they're noisy, they're stinky, they don't let you sleep at night. She says, oh, I'll do all that. I said, no. She says, please, please, please. (laughs) And it turned out to be Bethany. (laughs) I'm going to warn you, you adopt, or you take, if you foster care an infant, you're toast. <laughs> <laughs> and, but and it, and you don't all adoption does not come from someone saying, "Hey, I want to adopt." Some adoption comes from someone, you know. Gets I've said the biggest things in my life came in through the back door. <laughs> it wasn't me seeking them; they just found me, and it's God's sense of humor. But uh, but you may also say, you know, adoption is something I could do. I think I, I, I could do that, and you can make a difference because those are the things that say I am pro-life. I'm not merely against abortion. I am for human life. And those are all things you can do. Uh, but, and, and then you can do whatever comes up, comes, comes to hand. You know? as, as life goes by, funny how opportunities to do things come up. And, and you can find yourself in the situation of, of doing that. right? Uh, for instance, I just every year, you know, how many years have we been running that baby bottle boomerang song? Enough, I, Mike says so too many, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I just know I want. I'll tell you, I want some of our guys to make our own version of that, right? Doesn't have to be exactly the same, but but it would be ours. I guys, I know you can do it. I just know every year I say that, it never gets done. So I may be fooling myself. That would be something someone could do I mean, as as things come up, as you have opportunity. Uh, but here, but all, bottom line is you are called to do more than oppose something, good, something bad. You are called to do good because you are made in the image of God and you want to protect others who are made in the image of God. And, and specifically, we're looking at infants at that point. But I'm going to go to my third point and say, uphold the image of God in yourself. The awareness that we are made in God's image should affect much, just much more than our understanding of human life of others it should affect a understanding of our own human life i am made in the image of god and then you can start to ask the question if i am made in the image of god how well do i show that today when people look at me do they see the god in me we are like a mir- if, if we are like a mirror how smudged is your mirror how poor poorly does your mirror reflect the god that you are supposed to be reflecting. Uh, as an infant, I was made in the image of God. And everybody who saw you, I don't care who you are, how old you are, how much you have done to transform that image. <laughs> when you were a baby, people looked at you and said, "Oh," ah! And now they look at you. <laughs> oh! <laughs> but we're not talking about our physical appearance. Yeah, in, it's in both the Old Testament and New Testament God tells us be holy because I am holy in the New Testament he's quoting the Old Testament in Matthew 5.16 Jesus tells us let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven automatically making, making, making the transference from our light shining his light because as they see our good works they give our Father glory because they know where that is coming from right uh, because it, it ain't us Back to James one twenty seven, he told us, after telling us to take care of widows and orphans, he says, and to keep yourself unstained by the world, uh, is, is what he said. We're made in the image of God, and this world is really busily, actively trying to transform us into its image. And it's really easy to be conformed to the image of the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may show what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. We're made in the image of God. The world wants to reshape us into its image, and it doesn't take much self-examination to start recognizing how the world has been successful, right? Oh well, I see the world has done a job on Steve. right? Steve had better work on that. Well, guess what? There's a whole lot of other names we could throw in there. Throw in your own name. Don't worry about your other people's names. What about Dion? <laughs> Yeah, you're right, but let Dion worry about Dion, or better yet, let Annie. (laughs) She'll smack him into shape. (laughs) And and so, again, another question, does it feel like an impossible task? As you look at yourself and you say, man, that image is so damaged. Do you feel like the image of God in you is hopelessly smudged? Well, don't think you're the only one thinking something like that. Uh, And it may be impossible for you to decide today, I'm going to better reflect reflect the image of God. and, and, And... shine that mirror up perfectly today, but, but you can make progress. Everybody know the story of the boy who jumped to the top of a building? He and his friend were having this, this athletic contest, see who could, do, who could do more push-ups, who could do more sit-ups, who could run faster, and the, the, the boy number A beat boy number B on absolutely everything. And then they got to talking about jumping, and the second boy, the one who got beat on everything, says, well, I can jump to the top of that building. And the first boy says, ha, you're a fool. He says, I can. He says, if you, if you jump to the top of that building, then I won. So the boy went around. There's a, a fire, exting- fire escape that goes to the top of the building. And he jumped to the first step. And then he jumped to the second step. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to go down a step. <laughs> and he jumped and jumped and jumped to the top of the building and won the contest. One step at a time. He didn't jump and get there. Don't fool yourself. Don't think, if I can't jump and get there, I can't get there you can get there well in heaven (laughs) but you can get a lot closer than you are and as you make progress here's the thing as you make progress even though the image isn't perfect it becomes more clear and it doesn't merely become more clear to you it becomes more clear to everyone else too so that as they see your good works they glorify your father who is in heaven let your light so shine. And, and, and I know what I'm saying is, 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 is easy to say and hard to do, but it's here, it is, here you go. Number one, sin less. Number two, do good more. <laughs> right? Those are the steps. Those are the jumps you make. And as you do that, you're going to be polishing the image of God that's in you, and, and the, the image of God will become more and more clear. So three distinct messages. Life is precious, and we should work to protect it. To be pro-life means more than simply opposing abortion. It means doing things to support life. And three, to protect the image of God is more than just protecting it in others. It is working to bring it out in yourself. Treat all life as precious, and that includes your own. Okay, Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for, for revealing to us that we are made in the image of God. Lord, I ask that we will esteem each other more. Father, that we will work to protect life, to to, uh, help life. Father, that we will do what we can to make a positive difference in our world. Father, let us be a blessing, uh, not just to others, but to ourselves as well, by bringing out the image of God. I pray in Jesus' name.